All right, so um, what I want to do, guys, I want to open up in a prayer. And I know that people watching this are really at all different places when it comes to faith, right? We're, we're just like we're all at different places when it comes to our fitness. We're all at different places when it comes to our faith. And I, um, some of you maybe know my story, but I really didn't have any faith at all until I was 40. I was really kind of pushing through life on my own power, on my own energy. I thought I had it all figured out and could do it on my own. And I had three kids in three years. And I like to say, if there's anything that's going to bring you to your knees, it's that situation. And I realized I needed help. And what really brought me even in to think about the church and going to it was I wanted my kids to have better morals than I did. The kids needed it. Me, mm -hmm. I'm still pretty good, you know, but the kids needed it. And it was unbelievable how um, quickly God revealed that I was the one in need of him more than anybody else. And um, so was my husband. And so we both were brought to, um, to him. He drew us into him and it radically radically changed our life. And I say that to you because like I mentioned, I lived 40 years without God. So if you think I'm going to judge you because of something you're saying or where you're at in your faith journey, just drop that right from your mind because that's not what it, this is about. This is about us just, you know, again, trying to be real, trying to be authentic, trying to get the mask off, trying to let the imposter go away, at least for this moment. Um, so, but because of my faith, I do want to start off in prayer here, guys. Just Heavenly Father, um, thank you for being right here in the midst of this conversation, God. My hope and prayer is always that I am a messenger, your messenger, that I let my own thoughts and my own insecurities and all of that go away so that I can hear clearly from your spirit that if I say anything that doesn't make sense or you want it different you're God you're powerful you can do that take the words that I am attempting to use for your glory and make them even more powerful into the heart of the hearer um, I love you and um, I'm so thankful for this technology and um, it's in Jesus name we pray amen so I'm going to start off guys this discussion on identity with a quote from a book that I'm reading right now called celebration of discipline by Richard Foster. Uh, my husband has talked about this book for like 10 years and I'm finally reading it. And there's some great stuff in here, but I just wanna start off with this one quote here. Our world is hungry for genuinely changed people. Leo Tolstoy observes, everybody thinks of changing humanity and nobody thinks of changing himself. Let us be among those who believe that the inner transformation in our lives is a goal worthy of our best efforts. So being willing to go deep into who you are and wanting God to change you from the inside out is a very, very worthy goal. There is nothing selfish or self-centered about it because it's only when we allow him to change us that we can really be who we're called to be. Um, there's, I have to laugh guys, we're, so we drove to Florida, okay, so we get down here um, on two days ago, and I'm going to be preparing for this call. Well, I realize I'm using my phone for Facebook, my computer for Zoom. What am I going to, where am I going to put my notes? I searched the whole house. I found one envelope. This is all I had to write on, okay? I got nothing. I'm like, 
what do I do for notes? So I had to like cram all my notes onto this little random envelope. So that will help you guys because then it will limit how long I'm going to talk here because I only have one envelope worth of notes. Um, but there was a great quote that was by um, Basil Pennington. It was talking about just um, how important it is that we dig into our true identity, not only for ourselves, but because when we do that, it will affect the lives of others and it will affect the kingdom work that we're doing. You know, we are each created uniquely by God. And as the Bible tells us that we are all kind of part of a body. So if, you're, if he's created you to be that thumb, we need to know what the thumb needs to look like when it lives it out. Or a knee or whatever part of the body you are. And the beautiful thing is all parts are valuable. Sometimes we can think that our true self isn't enough, that we have to live out into someone else's true self because it's not enough. And when I, I noticed this in a huge way one time, and it was when my daughter, Denica, was about 14. She was a gymnast, and um, she hurt her pinky. Okay, how much of your body is a pinky? Not much, right? Well, you know what? She couldn't do the vault because her hand would hit the vault. She couldn't do the bars, definitely couldn't do floor, and she couldn't do the beam. Meaning, because of that one little pinky injury, she couldn't do any of the pieces of equipment, but we think this pinky isn't that important. But I think that was such a cool visual of just how our lives can be. We can think that it's, it's small, it's nothing, but it makes a drastic difference in the world, knowing who we are. So what my hope is for this conversation is that we can understand better who, our true identity, we can recognize the imposter in our lives and we can then move towards living out as the beloved or as our our true identity does that sound like a pretty good goal for today all right um so here's what happens guys when you think about identity well first of all let me ask you what do you when, I, when you think like tell me what's your identity Anybody willing to say what they think of when they think about their identity? Jennifer, how about you? Are you willing to turn that mic off and let us know? Oh, sure. <laughs> um, I think identity often gets mixed with roles that you have. So I think for, I know for myself, sometimes I'll say, oh, well, I'm a mother and I'm a wife and I work and, but those are more also roles. So I think just identity for me, I've been trying to focus more on just kind of my core kind of values. So even if I didn't have those roles, how would I identify? So I think I'm still forming it, but um, I think for me, my identity is more caring, loving, you know, humor, those types of things. I'm trying to get more at traits as opposed to roles that I have. I love that. That's definitely part of what we're going to dive into is part of what, what you're talking about right there. So thank you uh, for sharing that. Anybody else? Kat, how about you? You want to say, what do you think about identity? Is it anything um, different than what Jennifer offered there? Um, I don't know. I, I think about like my nationality. I was born in Hungary, came to the U.S. when I was nine years old. So that's part of who I am, makes up part of my identity, my nationality. Yeah. 
Yeah, for sure. Those things definitely influence us. I mean, I'm first generation American. Both my parents were born in Europe. My mom was born in Austria. My dad was born in England. You know, that um, it does kind of play into who you are, right? But even, um, but I want to kind of go now. So we're talking about, you know, identity and what um, Jennifer said there is so true. Often what we do is we, what we do is who we are. So what the roles I play, the way that I behave, the way I act, that determines who I am. Another big thing we do is we allow what people to say about us determine who we are and what our identity is. So if they're speaking well of us, whoa, look at me, I got, I'm doing good. If they're speaking poorly, I mean, to me, one of, if you've listened to me speak in the past, one of my biggest passions is talking on people pleasing. Because I think there is very few things that hold us back in so many areas of life of living with joy, all of it, than people pleasing. And people pleasing and what they say about us is so, it can be so wrapped up into our identity. But our identity isn't what we do. Our identity isn't what people say about us. And it's also not what we have. We have a tendency to think, well, if I have this really nice house, then this is kind of who I am and this is what people will think. You know, if I dress a certain way, if I have certain clothes or a certain car, we allow that to really play in to who we are. And I, um, there's a lot of issues that come from that. And I want to play a video. Now on Facebook, you're going to have to listen really carefully because you're not going to see this. But it's a video by a gentleman named Henry Nowen. And Henry Nowen is someone I quote probably more than anybody. I think he just walked around saying the most brilliant things ever. And um, this is an old video. So listen carefully, but what I'm gonna do here um, is I'm gonna screen share and then I'm gonna grab Facebook and let them watch. Okay, so it's gonna be a little tricky, but you'll see, it's gonna work. So I'm gonna screen share with you guys um, right there and then share. Hold on and you should see my screen. Okay, I've got all the stuff up here. Let's move that, move that and then right there. Okay, can you guys see my screen right now on um, Zoom? Yes, okay. Now Facebook, here we come. Hold on, I'm gonna move it around here. Let me just come over here so you can see it right there. All right, there we go. All right, I'm gonna push play and um, you can just listen in right here. There we go, okay. And what I want to say to you today is that this whole thing it's wrong. Let me just stop for one second, guys. What he's just done is for the most part what I just said. He is talking to you about how you're not what you do, you're not what people say, you're not what you have. So he's just finished that and now he's moving on. That that is not who you are and that is not who I am. That's what the demon said to Jesus when he went to the desert. He says, turn these stones into bread and show you can do something. Jump from the temple and let people catch you so they speak well about you. Kneel in front of me and then I will give you a lot of possessions. Then you are loved because you do something 
people speak well about you and you have something and everybody gonna love you and Jesus says that's a lie that's the greatest lie that makes you and me enter into relationships of violence and destruction because I know who I am I know who I am because before the Spirit sent me to be tempted the Spirit came upon me and says you are the beloved child you are my beloved son on you my favor rests that's who you are that's who I am and Jesus heard that voice you are my beloved on you my favor rests and it was that voice that he clung to as he lived his life and people praised him and people rejected him and people said Hosanna and people crucified him but Jesus held on to the truth whatever happens I am the beloved of God and that is who I am and that allows me to live in a world that keeps rejecting me or praising me or laughing at me or spitting on me I am the beloved not because people say I'm great but because I am the beloved even before I was born and dear friends if there was anything anything I want you to hear this morning is that what is said of Jesus is said of you you have to hear that you are the beloved daughter and son of God and to hear it not here but right here to hear it so that your whole life can be turned around and listen to the scriptures I have loved you with an everlasting love have a cup of coffee I have written your name in the palm of my hand <laughs> from all eternity I have molded you in the depths of the earth and knitted you together in your mother's womb I love you I embrace you you are mine and I'm yours and you belong to me can I help with something? you have to hear that because if you can, can hear you that something? voice that speaks to you from all eternity to all eternity your life will become more and more the life of the beloved because that's who you are I tried. All right, stop it right there. And then you start. Hold on. Put this one back around. One second, I'll take you back. There we go. 
right. So here we are back. Just want to be sure. Yeah, about that. All right, um, guys, if your microphone's on, maybe turn it off. Just, a, just for a second so that we don't hear the, all that background. I'm trying to mute everything. Oh, no. Let's see. There, I think I muted everybody. Okay, cool. All right, guys. Now that I muted you, I'm going to talk to you. <laughs> could you hear it okay? Give me a thumb up. Yeah, you could hear it. Okay, cool. Um, Angela, would you be willing to say kind of what were you thinking as you heard what Henry Nowen was sharing? Well, I honestly think that it's a great reminder. I mean, I think so often that our lives can get so busy and that we truly forget what the truth is, you know, and we do base our worth and our value on the things that we said at first, you know, the things we do, the things we have. And, you know, it's, it's a good reminder, again, to, for what we need to bring it back to and for every time that we step into that people-pleasing arena or trying to achieve something through something we do, I mean, the truth is, is just what he spoke. I mean, our value is truly beyond what we can comprehend and it is, you know, given to us. It's a free gift of who we are and the value that we have in our Savior. Yeah. So. Thank you. That's perfect. Right there. You're so right. Yeah. And, um, you know, Tim Keller says it this way, that our identity is received, not achieved. And if we allow our circumstances, what people say, what we have, all of those things to determine who we are, we're not going to be happy a lot of the time. It's too, you know, it's just all over the place. And at one point, and, and, and the, the whole that, that um, sermon that Henry Nowen was just doing right there is about 17 minutes. The whole thing is fantastic. But he talks about we have a timeline. They were born, day we die, right? And when we allow our identity to be about those other things, this is what our life looks like. Joy, bummer, happy, sad, all over the place. And he shares that he, um, you know, he struggles with it like we all do. He said he was um, someplace where he talked to like a thousand people. And one person made a negative comment and how he hung on to that one. Don't we do that a lot? We can be someplace and if one person says something, all of a sudden, oh, Carrie, you're nodding up there, huh? Yeah, I mean, we're all understanding that that, yeah, can, can happen. And, um, you know, we, we try so hard to let people see that we're, we're good enough. We, we're striving for that all the time. I remember talking with one gentleman at a retreat and he was telling me how he is so um, about his, his, he has to prove himself. He has to be the best salesperson. He has to be the best cook, you know, all the things that he does. He's just trying and trying to prove that he's enough. And I just felt in his soul this and I said, I bet you're exhausted. And I think it just hit him. He looked at me and says, I'm so tired. And I think that's what happens when we, you know, we constantly are trying to prove ourselves that we're enough. It's an exhausting way to live. And especially guys, when it comes to the people pleasing, because if you know people, you know people have all different expectations for you. It's not as though every person out there is saying, you know, Jennifer, this is how you should live your life. Or Renee, this is how it should. They're all telling you something different. 
they think you work too much. They think you shouldn't work at all. They think you're, you know, should be more involved as a mom. You shouldn't do it. And it's just boom, boom, boom. And everybody's got something else that they're trying to tell you on how you can live. And um, I am so thankful that I, 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 I mean, there's a lot of issues that I have, but this is one area that I feel like I've really had a lot of freedom in my life is people pleasing. And I think part of it's because my mom is about the, firstest, the furthest thing from a people pleaser than you can imagine. She's just going to say it like it is. Renee, you know my mom. You know her. She's like that. And, um, but that's kind of how I grew up. But I know that this is just such a, such a big struggle for people. And so what we do because of the people pleasing and the wanting to um, work our way to you know, have this identity and all this, what we end up doing is what Renee talked about at the beginning, we often present an imposter to the world. And I would highly recommend a book by Brennan Manning called Abba's Child. Abba's Child talks a lot about living in the imposter and what happens to our life when we do that. You know, one of the things is like I said, when you're living as an imposter, it's exhausting because you're trying to constantly prove yourself. But another thing that happens when you live as an imposter is you start to be a chameleon. Anybody know how a chameleon can change the way it looks according to its environment? So we go into a certain situation and we're putting out imposter, this type of me, the fake me, because I know that's what they're going to want to see. And I go over here and I'm now a different person. I've, I've created a different kind of me, but I'm never showing the real me. I'm constantly changing who I am because I want to fit in. For some reason, we have this desire to fit in. Is that really important? Does anybody here struggle with fitting in? Yeah? Want to say a little bit about that, Pat? Tell, if you take off your microphone, tell us about that struggle. Yes, I think different personalities uh, of, of your friends and all, and I think you can tend to be a different person to each one of them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. depending on who you're around because, yeah. Yeah, and I, I can tell you it's, yeah, it can be exhausting. <laughs> I do have one friend that's kind of demanding. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, um, well, I won't really go into it, but that, I find myself doing things I don't really want to do with her. You know what I mean? That I would not. Um, she's a big time shopper and that's all she wants to do is go shopping. <laughs> and I'm not, you know, so in fact, I've just been thinking I'm going to have to have a talk with her because I just can't keep, keep doing, you know, keep doing that. And I'm not one that shops. Um, I'm not a window shopper mm -hmm. and I'm not one to follow somebody around shopping. <laughs> So yeah. they can yeah. suck you into kind of living and acting a certain way because yeah. of yes. And it's, it is exhausting because it, and it, it frustrates me. So yes, I'm, I've actually been deciding that I'm going to have to have a talk with her because if our friendship is just all about that, then we don't really have friendship. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You, know? And she might learn, you know, you might be able to help her. Jennifer, what were you going to say there? I was just going to add to you and something that I put in the chat is um, whether you're a you know, people pleaser or struggling with kind of fitting in, like I just think back to how awkward even childhood is. Um, but for those who, you know, experienced some difficult things as, you know, children too, I think that as you get older, and I know that this has been the same kind of for me because I had kind of a 
a funky family, I'll say. Um, but I think that that kind of shaped me growing up, not feeling that I was quite fitting in or like, oh, I'm so awkward or, oh, I bet people really don't like me. So as an adult, I've had to work really, really hard to kind of make the default not be that, oh, I bet people are just pretending to like me. Like, I bet they really don't like me. So working really, really hard to kind of change what that default feeling is. But I think a lot of times your experiences too shape um, you wanting to be a people pleaser or be loved or, but you also have to measure like at what cost too. So if you're sacrificing yourself in that process, is it really, you know, worth it? Yeah. We often, um, uh, go ahead, Kat. Yeah. I, I think really at, at the very root of people pleasing is a fear a fear of rejection, a fear of not being accepted. And especially if like um, she was saying, you experienced any rejection in your childhood, you know, that can also translate into adulthood um, experiences with people and you, you fear being experiencing that rejection again. Yeah. You know, if, and this will be something, you know, for you guys to think about is, when can you first remember the imposter coming into existence, your imposter? You know, um, Brennan Manning, who wrote the book, um, Abba's Child, that I spoke about, he can remember it. And I, I, he was either eight or 12 years old. And his mom just ridiculed him for something that he had done. And it was very, um, very painful for him. And he realized it's because he had done something wrong. So he created this imposter that would never let anyone see that he had done something wrong, whether he did it or not. He ended up becoming a, a really, really um, struggling alcoholic for many years and everything, but always about hiding it, you know? And um, when you think about the imposter, we often put that imposter out there because we, we don't want people to know what, what's really going on. We wanna hide those, those sins. And the Bible's so clear on that, you know, um, confess your sins to one another and you'll be healed. Keeping them in here and trying to hide them from the world is what can really cause, um, it prevents healing. You know, we need to be able to go out and be able to say like, I can't, you're not gonna believe what I was thinking the other day, you know, can you help me with this? And, and we need to be able to talk about it. I'm not saying to everybody, there's times when we do need to put a little imposter out. We don't know them. We don't have that trust yet with them. But there has to be places in our life where we can go, be authentic, be real, and not worry about fitting in. But, you know, authenticity is scary. Because, Jennifer, I think like what you were saying, like if you get burned once by it, like you're your true self and you show it, and someone doesn't like you, that's painful. If they don't like your imposter, it's kind of more bearable because they don't know, you know, who you really are. And it's interesting because um, I used to go and speak at some of these um, conferences with Steve Arterburn where we were talking to people who were very, very obese. And I'll never forget one person saying, one, I think he said, the reason I eat and the reason I let myself get so large is that then if people don't like me, I can say it's because I'm big. But what mm. happens if I lose this weight and I can no longer blame that as the reason they don't like me? I mean, this stuff is deep, you know? It's not like, it's not so simple. And, and um, you know, wanting that escape, like they don't like me, it's because of this. You know, that just is why often we put out that imposter. 
Um, what happens too is when we're living in the imposter, you know, we talked about wanting to fit in kind of like the chameleon, that kind of fear of being authentic that people might not like us. There's also this, we go through life kind of straddling the fence. We can't land on either side because we just feel like, well, if I stay right here, I won't completely offend anyone. No one's going to, you know, and, and you do this and it's just not a, a way to find joy. You know, the word tells us in Hebrews, I think it's 6, 619, that our faith or God, and I would say our identity can be an anchor for our soul. That sounds like something we all want is an anchor for our soul. In James um, 1 something, I can't read my little writing here, a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave being tossed and turned. And so when we are not so grounded in who we are, we can't live with this, like that, that, that constant joy and constant peace that the Bible talks about. So the question probably you're thinking is, well, that's great, but what do I do? How, how do I break away from the imposter? And there's only one way, and it's to understand whose you are. First John 3 says, I'm a daughter of God. That's who I am. And when, when you can become so grounded in, in that identity, the rest of it starts to just not matter as much. Now, I'm not saying, you know, we, like I told you, our identity is received, but living out of that identity is a pilgrimage. It's a journey. It's not often, boom, I'm, I'm there. I'm never going to go back to that imposter again. But it, it is something that we have to go, okay, if, if I need to, if I want freedom to be who I was created to be, then I need to be able to continually remind myself whose I am and what does that mean? How does that play out in my life? I want you guys right now, we're going to just talk through this. What would life look like living in the imposter compared to what it could look like living as the beloved, as we are grounded in that? Now, I'm not saying it's something that's going to happen right away, but let's just create this vision. All right, let's create a vision of what life could be like if we lived as the beloved that was truly who we were, what would our life, how would our life start to look different? All right, Renee. Well, I think, you know, it would mean authentic friendships, authentic relationships, um, you know, a closer relationship with God, but also really, you know, kind of shedding those friendships where you have to go shopping or you have to do something that somebody else wants to do when you're like, that's just not me. And you find people who are more authentic, who want to do what you want to do. Yeah. yeah. In that. You know, um, you, for me, at least I get to a place where I am, I really struggle with these surface play the part, put out your, you know, happy face to everyone. I, I go there for about a millisecond and then I'm like, Hey, but it's reality. here's what's going on. And I mean, it, that's just, so much more free like when you realize you have nothing to prove to anyone 
nothing. Whatever they think of you, who cares? That's their thoughts. That's their issue. You know in your heart, like nobody, it says, you know, God alone examines our motives. People don't know sometimes, you know, why you're doing something. They can judge you off of a behavior, but who cares? Who cares what they think? Who else has something to say about this? All right, yeah, Karen. Uh, Up, we can't, uh, yeah. Uh, can you hear me now? I, this reminded me of, of, we have three kids in Uganda that live in an orphanage. Um, they're ours. I can't even say they're orphans because they, Steve and I, they're um, ours. But anyway, we um, went over there in September and um, Diana was talking to us. They, we, we have them in a boarding school and it's like a, one of the best boarding schools in, in Uganda, but there's a lot of government kids, parliament kids, they call them, and they're well-to-do. And so Diana was talking about uh, how they make fun of her because she doesn't have a real mama and um, that she's an orphan and that, you know, she, and I, I mean, I stopped and I put my fist down the ground. And I was like, you are a daughter of the king of kings. Forget about any government child, you know, and my, I, the change in her since then and Dennis the two has been transformational um because they'll say to me now anytime I talk to them oh mama I'm a daughter of the king or mama I'm a son of the king and to see their lives so freeing and sometimes I said to Steve I have to preach that sermon to myself um that it's not about what people think or say or do I am a daughter of the king of kings and what he wants me to do. If I'm following his will, that's what I need to, to worry about. That's what I need to do. So I think it's freedom. I see it in those kids and um, I hope to see it more in my life too. Awesome. Isn't that a message? Every heart longs to know that they are a daughter of the king and that you have, I mean, just the change, I mean, the, the difference you've made in their lives um, by you adapting them, but even more so by you letting them know and reminding them, yeah, who cares? They got the parliament people for their parent. You got God. You got the guy who created every single thing here is your dad and he loves you and he says you're enough. I mean, big stuff. Angela, were you going to say something there? Um, I guess you can read my mind. Sure. <laughs> no, I saw there was like hands came up. I thought I saw. Oh, so. oh well, I was clapping for what she said, you know, just the <laughs> reminder that it was. But I also do think that I think as we walk this out, I think it is very freeing. But I definitely think that we do need that reminder and we need people who can come around us and remind us. Um, and another thing that I think is very helpful, at least for me, is I feel like writing it out, sometimes journaling things out. Is just is just very helpful. There's, I think, a spirit that stirs in our spirit, <laughs> you know, that when we write, that sometimes things come out that are not even really there in our conscious mind, but that they really, I, I just, I've, I've had experience with that through a, a, a process that was kind of working me through people pleasing through our church, and it was called the ultimate journey, and it truly was, um, you know, very freeing in itself. But that doesn't mean that we don't go back to these places and these things that are still sometimes rooted in places we don't recognize as we continue to live our, live our lives. 
Yeah, good. Yeah, journaling can help a lot of people. And I think what you said there too, like we we go and we experience this freedom, but for whatever reason, we go back, right? Galatians 5, I think it's 5.1. He's, you know, he says, I can't, Jesus says, I came to set you free. Now don't go back to that yoke of slavery. And if you ask me, living with the imposter, living with that people pleasing, trying to prove that to me is a yoke of slavery. That is bondage that will keep you from really, really living. You know, and I think when we can walk out as our, as I'm the beloved, I mean, imagine you're going into a party situation, maybe, if we ever get back to parties again, we walk in and instead of thinking, oh, I wonder what they think of my dress or is my makeup okay? Like, I'm, what are they thinking when I say that? Like, imagine that's gone. You walk in there and instead what you're thinking is, I carry the presence of God. God is with me. God is in me. This room has just got filled with some God. And that's what you're thinking more about. And then you're saying, you know, hey, God, who needs to hear what today? Who, what, what, who, does that person have, do you have a message? Do you have something you want me to say to that person? Do they need this? And it's so different than walking in and being so about what are they thinking of me? Because when you go, I don't care. You don't even, like, you can just kind of put that aside. Maybe never perfectly, but it does. And I think that, can you see then how living as the imposter can hold you back from being Christ's ambassador? I mean, in a huge way, right? I mean, we are told we are an ambassador of heaven. We are representing our homeland. We're going to feel a little out of sorts down here because this isn't our home. But you walk out of your door every day going, I'm ambassador of heaven. Do I really care if they like my shoes or not? You know, it's just that kind of attitude. And I just want you to start to, you know, maybe, um, especially if you're a journaler, like Angela, like you're saying, if you're a journaler, start, I want you to write down some things on one side of a page that say, here's what my life can look like when I'm walking each day in my true identity as the beloved. And then here's what I what, what it could be if I don't break free. Here's what my imposter living can look like. Sometimes, again, seeing those on paper and be like the pros and the cons, and then you're like, I want this. So again, if you want to live that way, you need to know God better. You need to spend time with him. You need to be around people that you can be real with who also are on a journey to come to know him better and who want to live an authentic life. So, you know, set up some steps. What are some things that you can do to make that happen? And one thing is this book here, The Celebration of Discipline. You know, we think about spiritual disciplines in kind of a negative, right? Because disciplines, who likes that, you know? But spiritual disciplines, things like prayer, fasting, journaling, worship, reading the Bible, memorizing scripture, all those things, they are in and of themselves of really of no value. Unless you're looking at them as saying, I am going to do these so that I can draw myself into the presence of God. I can experience him. I can get to know him better. And then that's what's going to allow us to go out and walk out as the beloved. How does all that sound, guys? Questions? What are you thinking? Anybody have any thoughts or questions on all of it?
Carrie, how about you? What's one thing you learned today, Carrie, that maybe stood out? Oh, she frozen. <laughs> I'm talking to the, no? All right, how about, um, I'm not sure what your name is. Your thing is B-S-C-R Biscrib. I can't Brittany. say your name is. It's Brittany. Brittany, okay, Brittany. Hey, what's one thing that stood out to you today? Um, what's really standing out is that I really need to work on like the people pleasing thing, like how you're talking about the chameleon um, part of it. I feel like I do that with most of my friends. Um, I really go off of like however their personality is or whatever mood they're even in. If they're like in kind of a funky mood, I follow that. Or if they're in an upbeat mood, I kind of follow that too. So that's an area that when you were like speaking about it, it really stood out and I'm like, wow, I really need to work on that. Yeah, it's, it, you are so not alone. It is such a struggle. You know, people have said to me, you can't really not care what people think. And I respond, yes, you can. It's okay if you are thinking and trying to follow how God says to live. Now, if someone does not have faith, they need that maybe that people pleasing is what we're going to help them stay course. but for someone who is you know really coming wanting to know god better watching the way jesus lived wanting to live the way he says to live you then don't have to worry about the people you don't have to um let's see if dinah is that denora how do you know hi Hi, can you hear me? <laughs> yeah, and I'd love to hear what you're thinking. Okay. Um, thank you so much for your words. I, uh, yesterday, I was talking to one of my friends because um, I have another friend that we've been friends for a long, long time. But we, we our friendship broke. And I've been, I've been trying to get our friendship back for 10 years now. And it's been so difficult. And the last time I talked to her, um, every time I talk to her, her words, I feel like she's always piercing my heart. Like I'm always being rejected. And the last few days have been struggling a lot with that. and. Last night, I was hearing a message about, you know, putting my eyes back on God and, and really knowing what he can give me, which is his grace and his mercy. And then now the words that you have shared, I really need to do that because I feel like I've been consumed by the thought of, not being accepted by her yeah. she's very special to me and we're like we we were like sisters you know and it's just over the years it's been consuming me that rejection from her mm -hmm. and now i need to change that and and just remember what you said that well, what the Bible says that we are accepted and we are His, and I guess I just have to leave it to God and said, you know, whenever, 
whenever it's your time and if it will be your time that our friendship goes back it's okay mm -hmm. but i need to rest my soul needs to rest in him and i need to adopt his identity i need to receive that in my heart i mean i, I have him in my heart it's just living it every day you have to receive that every day you know remembering every day that i'm his and if she doesn't want to accept me it's okay i have to continue i have to live in that freedom yeah because i'm his you know, that's what i wanted to share thank you for, for sharing obviously something that's touching and vulnerable and a, and a heart on you but i think there are we do, we don't have to be accepted by everyone which is a hard thing to understand especially someone you've been so close to and someone who means you know a lot to you <coughs> but we can't make them accept us and we definitely don't want to start living you know outside of who we are just so they'll accept us because people pleasing and all of that can actually cause us to live it move into sin you know it can start to move us away from who we really are and I've had people who have talked to me about like family members who are so hard and so painful. And is it wrong that I, I, I have to kind of disassociate? I think there's times we do need to have a boundary and we separate ourselves from people who are causing us pain. And it doesn't, we love them, we pray for them, we forgive them, but it doesn't mean we have to let them in our life. And the other thing is, I think, um, um, Pat, you were mentioning this and, and, and also for you, is that being honest and real with someone is so important. With love, being honest and real with them and letting them know how you're feeling. And, you know, for you to say to your friend, you know, I feel like I, I just can't do things the right way for you. I feel like you're, you're you know, you, you don't accept me as who I am. And, um, you know, do you want to talk about this? And you can talk and be real. Like, what do you got to look? Why not? Or talking to your friend about, you know, I know how much you love to shop and I love you as a friend, but I just don't want to go anymore. Could you and I do something else? And you just share what's real going on. And then if they say, well, maybe they, or they could say, no, I don't really want to hang with you anymore. Or they might not. And they just subtly keep pushing you away. That's okay. You know, I've had many people who um, have either come to Faithful Workouts and said things so, so, so harsh words that I have to make a choice on if I'm going to let those words in and make me change or not. I've had friends that have said, you know, kind of because of your faith, I am like distancing myself and that's okay. I don't need... I, I, I I'm still can love them. I can still pray for them, but I don't have to have the acceptance of approval of people. It just, it's just because you're never going to get them all. So I pray that you get peace in that. And both of you with your friends that you get some peace and um, maybe it's, it is those hard conversations, the true conversation. Um, but know that what they think of you has zero impact on what God thinks of you. If they don't accept you, that doesn't change God's heart one iota. And the thing that's crazy about it is even what we do doesn't change how he thinks about, you know? 
He's going to love us. There's nothing we can do that's going to change that. So anybody else have anything you want to say until we uh, end it here? Well, I just want you to know how much I appreciate you guys being here, you know? Um, being able to see someone, so I know Facebook you don't see, but like being able to see is a big deal for me. Um, I talk to a camera, 90, like 90% 90 of my life, I feel like I talk to a camera. I've turned that camera into your faces, but this is really nice to actually see faces. And um, I wanna let you know that in January, I am right now um, thinking about doing a virtual retreat. I'm still working out a lot of the things about it and I'll let you know more about it. But um, I think, you know, we still, during this time of COVID, we need connection. We need to have structure. We need to have goals and um, we need community. We need like this type of, com you know, connected community. So I'll let you know more about it, but hopefully um, I'll get something pulled together. So I'm gonna pray and um, just Heavenly Father, um, I just am praying so big right now because I want freedom for everyone who has listened to this talk. I want freedom from the imposter freedom from people pleasing, freedom from thinking that what they do is who they are or what they have is who they are. God, I want the words that Henry Nouwen spoke, that's the words that you spoke initially. You said them to Jesus and you say them to all of us. We are your beloved on us. Your favor rests. God, thank you for that. That Those words right there, if we allow them to penetrate our heart, will radically change us. When we realize we are enough, we're loved by the one who created everything, we can walk differently. Um, I love you, and I love everyone who's listening right now. Thank you for giving me love. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.